You're listening to the Workforce Wise podcast from Equifax, where we help you better manage your workforce by saving time, reducing risk, and focusing on increasing profits. Hello, and welcome to the Workforce Wise podcast. I'm your host, Jason Fry. I'm the AVP of Product at Equifax Workforce Solutions. Today, we have part two of our conversation with Tammy Meckley, who is the Associate Director, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, and she's in charge of the E-Verify program and 4My9. In this episode, we're going to talk about some upcoming new features planned for E-Verify as they continue modernization of their systems, how employers can work with USCIS to shape the future of E-Verify, and some exciting thoughts around the future of 4My9. Thank you, Jason. Happy to be here and excited to talk about the E-Verify program. Can you talk a little bit about what modernization means for E-Verify and then what does the future look like? So are there any new um, plans for additional modernization either of the system or feature functionality attached to the system? Yeah. So modernization continues to be a priority for the program. It's a priority for me. It's a priority for every employee who works uh, uh, in the E-Verify program. Uh, with modernization, we will continue to enhance the user experience um, by creating a, a very consistent look and feel across the E-Verify application. It will also bring new features to life quicker and, and we're not, when we're not so dependent on legacy technology. So when we see the opportunity or when we see inefficiencies or we see burden that we want to reduce, we want to be able to very quickly develop functionality, test it and deploy it and get it into the user's hands. So this new kind of modernized platform uh, will enable and assist us to be able to do that. I am a huge fan of continuous improvement. I will tell you, you know, one of the things that I am most proud of is every employee that works in the E-Verify program understands the importance of not just continuing to operate E-Verify the way we do, but every single employee constantly and continuously looks for ways to improve our connections to source data and is constantly looking for ways to improve the process to ensure quality service, timely responses that essentially are meeting the needs of business. Uh, this is a very fast-paced, fast-changing environment, and we have to make sure that we are constantly evolving and changing uh, to meet the needs of the businesses who are using the E-Verify program. So modernization has been a bit of a buzzword, and, and we started to kind of categorize it and just um, and define it in, in a bit of a narrow way. But, you know, I have to say modernization is here to stay. Um, this is a government service uh, that cannot become complacent. It cannot become stagnant. We have to constantly look at how is the system end-to-end, whether it's process, policy, technology, we have to look at all of it in total to make sure that it we are we are operating it most efficiently, most effectively, and reducing the burden on employees and employers as much as we possibly can. And look, there's no system that's perfect, but if we have the mindset and our goal is constant and continuous improvement, I am extremely confident that our employees uh, will continue to enhance this uh, and we'll just keep making it better over time. Data integrity is a huge piece of that. You mentioned data integrity. We have got to have robust automation and data accuracy. Those are core strengthening elements of the E-Verify program and, quite frankly, the integrity of the program. Uh, so we're constantly focusing on new data capabilities uh, and new data sources. 
Another element of that is our, our monitoring and compliance uh, piece of E-Verify. We have to make sure that our legal, our, our regulatory, and our policy uh, requirements are being adhered to. When we sign on an employer to the program, we have to ensure that those employers are using the program properly. We have to make sure those employers are giving employees due process when there are mismatches of information. We want to make sure, again, we're protecting the integrity of the program. So we have a very robust monitoring compliance program where we look at employer behavior and we have models that target where there might be issues. Is this an education issue? Then we want to make sure that we go out and we provide informative tutorials around uh, potential issues that we're seeing. If there's parts of the program that aren't being followed through with, uh, again, in a way that satisfy the, the legal, the regulatory, and the policy uh, decisions. And one of those things that we've been talking about is when there is a mismatch of information, we refer to that as a tenant of non-confirmation. We need to make sure that when we return a tenant of non-confirmation to an employer, that that employer is engaging with the employee and following through with the process and giving that employee the opportunity to challenge that and correct records so they are found to be work authorized. So that's something we've really been digging into lately is that the, what we call hanging TNCs to make sure that those uh, are properly addressed. So again, always looking at you know, the employer behavior and if there is assistance that employers need to comply, that we're providing that assistance to employers. Yeah, and I think that is great for employers to hear and for us too. Um, one of our key kind of the way that we show up to work every day is trying to find and understand ways we can remove any friction in the employee onboarding part of that employment relationship. And it sounds an awful lot like the E-Verify program is being managed that way to keep up with and make sure that you are removing as much friction as possible and keeping up with the speed of business and the way that business has to move in order to both attract onboard and then retain those employees. And I know we've seen too a lot of those efforts that you're talking about, especially in the data integrity and making sure that those hanging TNCs are taken care of and a lot of the outreach that you're currently doing. We've seen an uptick in outreach from E-Verify. And I think that it's good both for the employer community and kind of for us as a provider too, but for the employer community specifically to see the ongoing efforts from the program to both communicate and evolve over time. So I did mention us as a provider. We are a web services provider for E-Verify, which means that our employer clients connect to the E-Verify system through our software. So we build software that connects direct into the E-Verify system um, and a web services connection. So I was gonna ask, are there any kind of things in the future that our specific client should be aware of from a web services perspective? What should they be look out, on the lookout for? Are there any new versions or future functionality coming down the pipe for um, folk who are accessing E-Verify through a web services connection? So you would expect, uh, you know, constant continuous uh, improvements to a program <laughs> means sometimes pushing out constant and continuous uh, new enhancements and functionality. And, and with that, you're exactly right. We've got to be able to push out new ICAs, you know, for you all to build towards. We will be uh, publishing later this summer, um, and then by the end of the fiscal year, uh, which is September 30th, we will be publishing the final version of uh, a version 31, which is a new ICA version. 
So, you know, I, that the goal here is we, we want to make sure that with our web services providers, that we are having continuous conversations and engagement early on in the process. So as, so as we're thinking about changes to the E-Verify program uh, that could impact the software that you all develop, we want to make sure that we you know, don't just push out an ICA uh, on September 30th and say, you know, build to this. We want to make sure that, which is why I mentioned to you, we're going to publish an early draft of that in the summer so we can start to engage and you all can see what it is uh, that we're going to be putting out. And just to, to give you a bit of a sneak peek, the, the new ICA is going to expand the look back period for duplicate cases from 30 days to 365 days. One of the biggest challenges that we see in the E-Verify program are duplicate cases are being created. And that duplicate case is an employer is running multiple cases on the same individual. So we need to, that makes us inefficient, that makes employers inefficient, uh, so we really want to expand the number of cases in the duplicate case alert display at one time. So if an employee of an organization has already started to run a case and perhaps they left for the day and somebody else came in and is going to complete that, don't start a new case. So we want to prevent employers from creating those duplicate cases if an open case already exists for that particular employee. So that is something you're going to see us come out with. Again, um, in a, in a, and that's that's a data integrity issue for us as well. And one of the other requirements that we are uh, going to ensure is that that all of our web service web services employers convert from the simple object access protocol, which is known as SOAP, which I'm not educating you, to a REST protocol, a representational state transfer protocol. So that's again going to be really important for us to advance, uh, you know, notification and get uh, support and education on these new ICAs as quickly as possible. So, and, and the, the goal here is when we do push out a new ICA, we want, we want you know, immediate adoption. We need to make sure that that new functionality, because we are saying this is going to enhance the program. So we want to make sure that employers are able to use that new functionality as quickly as possible. So that's something you should be hearing a lot more about uh, this summer and into the fall. And, uh, and again, it's a great opportunity for us to engage with our web services providers, to have conversations, to do some testing. Uh, we want to make sure that when we deploy it, uh, we get it right and you all are able to adopt it most quickly. Yeah, and honestly, that is that is exciting, especially the duplicate case pieces. We spend um, a good bit of time working with and educating our clients around um, cases and making sure that they don't create duplicate cases where no duplicate case should be. So hearing that that's going to be inside um, the next release is actually really exciting for us. I was going to say one other thing, Jason, that we want to do, especially as we are we are following the agile methodology and have been for developing, testing, and deploying functionality. We want to keep these ICAs as scoped and as small as possible because we want incremental change. So we don't want to have an ICA pushed out that has a ton of functionality and requires a ton of development work on the part of the government or on the part of our industry partners. So we want to make sure that, again, we are, we are incrementally uh, pushing those ICAs out that are smaller and getting, again, the key is to get that functionality into the hands of the users as quickly as possible. 
Yeah, and I know that the employers will be excited to hear that too, because being able to consume that on their side for any changes that happen inside the onboarding process um, is one difficult if it happens um, too much too fast. There's a lot that they have to change on their side too, especially with training documents and um, the materials that they have available for their internal users, um, but also making sure that we are looking at our ability to push that out at times that are convenient for the employer. So not just times of the week or times of the day, but also we try to be mindful around um, in Employers generally tend to bulk up or increase staff at specific times or increase business or uh, kind of the size of their business at different times of the year. So we try to be cognizant of the fact that um, at different times of the year, they'll be blacked out for additional feature functionality upgrades or changes to the software. So it's really good to hear that um, E-Verify, the program is moving much more to an agile environment. Well, there'll be um, continuous improvement and those will happen at a faster cadence, but also um, getting that feature functionality out to the users as quickly as possible. So let's talk for a minute about um, COVID-19, the pandemic. I know that a lot has been said, a lot has been talked about with I-9 flexibility. And I also know that you guys are in charge of uh, the Form I-9 itself, policy around Form I-9, but um, ICE is the one that's in charge of enforcement and the flexibility guidelines. But anything um, from your perspective at USCIS around uh, flexibility and maybe even a broader scope, COVID-19 has taught us a lot of things about how to hire people, how people work, how to onboard people. And I think even inside the scope of the pandemic, it's been interesting to see how businesses have adapted. But at the same time, anything that you've learned through a kind of seeing what is happening in the pandemic that might either change or inform the program going forward? Yeah, COVID definitely uh, per, per, you know, presented some, some challenges for employers. And uh, we do jointly kind of own the, the policy around the 4 by 9 uh, along with our partners at ICE. And, you know, not only did we feel those uh, challenges around COVID, but even some of our downstream data partners like the Social Security Administration, if there's a mismatch of information that requires uh, Social Security's involvement. So we've essentially had to extend the timeframes for employees uh, if they needed to take action to resolve a mismatch that was derived from a Social Security check. So We've extended our timeframes there. We've also uh, allowed for temporary inspection uh, of the Form I-9 documents, the identity and work authorization documents. We started that back in March of 2020, and that flexibility still exists today. And essentially what that means is if an employer is working uh, totally remotely, uh, they can do a virtual inspection of those documents. And then at the point in time when we resume to a normal state, if you will, then employers will have to do that physical inspection and annotate the, the Form I-9 that that physical inspection uh, was completed. So again, that's, that's still a flexibility uh, that is in place today. I think we are looking at uh, you know, any possibilities whatsoever where we can you know, take those lessons learned from COVID. And again, where we can legally and regulatorily 
you know, improve the program based on the experiences that we've had in this kind of environment, then of course, we we definitely want to be able to do that. Um, and recognizing again, that we have to keep pace with our, our reliance on, you know, everything digital, everything virtual, uh, automate as much as possible. So we will be having conversations around what that means in the future to make sure that we are doing everything we can, again, you know, to, to reduce burden and, and provide as much, you know, assistance to employers as possible. Yeah, and I think that that's great for employers to hear, too, that it's not just um, the program, it's not just the policy, but it's also looking at it through the lens of the employer and trying to not necessarily meet them where they are from a legislative standpoint or kind of the regulatory piece, but being able to accommodate the whatever is kind of going on in the world. And again, meeting that employer as much as we can where they are to make it as easy as possible to board those new employees. To get even more out of today's episode, make sure you get your free tools like webinars, ebooks, videos, and more at equifax.com slash wise. I, we talked a little bit about 4My9. I did want to ask if you're seeing anything or hearing anything about any changes that may be made to the form in the future. It's been a long while since we've cha- seen a change to the form itself, but I would feel like I hadn't done my job if I at least didn't ask the question. If you're seeing or hearing anything that may either change in Form I-9, the form itself, or any of the policy manuals or instructions that are surround the form that you guys are responsible for. Yeah, so the current version of the Form I-9 was revised in 2019, to your point, and it actually expires in October of 2022. So to that end, we are going to begin discussions later this year uh, on possible updates to the Form I-9. And this is where, you know, again, the partnership comes in where, you know, we will be having far more stakeholder engagements with employers, with web services providers. Um, so when we are making changes, those changes don't just benefit the E-Verify program from the government's perspective. We want to make sure that the changes that we're making uh, are, are changes that enhance and, again, reduce burden on employees and employers as well. So I, I fully expect far more uh, engagement with stakeholders. We need to understand uh, what the new societal norms are related to hiring and employment practices again, as we are increasingly moving to this virtual uh, space. So, you know, I think we're constantly looking for efficiencies and ways to reduce burden on the program, the employees and the employers. And we're moving forward with awareness in that way to remain in sync with business needs. And certainly we're committed to exploring a, a longer term, you know, electronic and virtual solutions so employers can mitigate burdens wherever we can. So, you know, I I can't say exactly uh, what changes we might see at this point, but I certainly can commit to engaging with uh, our stakeholders as we start to look at that form and figure out, you know, what we can do. I I will tell you, one of the things that I've been looking at, uh, you know, we've been We've been administering the E-Verify program for a long time. And at the time E-Verify was created, we created the program, you know, with, without experience in actually, you know, um, executing the program, right? It was brand new. So now that we have the knowledge we have, we have the experience, I, I really want to take a hard look at the E-Verify program and say, you know, what would we do differently now that we know what we know? And I, I really want to look at the possibility of 
how my E-Verify works as the employee portal, how E-Verify works and the I-9, and how do we integrate all of that into one automated solution? So this is just more contextual in terms of an idea, but I definitely want to start to think about having that, you know, my E-Verify portal be a portal where employees can upload, um, you know, they can complete section one of the form I-9, they can upload the work authorization identity documents, and all of that is fully integrated with E-Verify in the, in the form I-9 process. So that could be something that uh, we start to talk about. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're having conversations internally about that now, but I'm, I'm kind of excited, not kind of, I'm, I'm really excited about that opportunity, uh, again, to, you know, I think we're, we're, we've done a fantastic job making incremental improvements, adding functionality, looking at data. You know, I, I really now want to look at a, a, a larger strategy. What's, what's the most strategic way for us to get at this E-Verified program? And how can we continue to expose that value proposition to employers to convince people uh, you know, to to sign on to E-Verify where it's a primarily voluntary program, right? So I want to make sure that we are enticing employers as much as possible to know that if you use E-Verify, it really assists you with that Form I-9 compliance and, and, and helps really reduce the burden on the employer and gives a lot more stake in the employment status to the actual employee. So that's also something that uh, we'll be talking a lot more about uh, as we start to to dig, dig into what that might look like. Yeah, and I think that we've talked a lot about how business changes, but at the same time, technology moves at a velocity of its own too. And just over the past few years, the move toward blockchain, NFTs, there are lots, I think, of possibilities when we talk about employment authorization. How does that work? What does that look like, not just today, but in the future? So it's exciting for, I know, us and the employer community and honestly, for the employees themselves to know that USCIS, E-Verify the program, is actively looking at and monitoring, but at the same time, reaching out to different stakeholders. So I think that this part of the conversation is probably the most exciting for me because it gives me great hope for the future, not just of the program, but how it will change over time and that E-Verify notices that there are changes that need to be made and committed to not just making those changes, but also making those changes in a way that makes sense for the government and the priorities there, but the employers and the employees at the same time. So we are in still the very early days of a brand new administration. And I also feel like I should ask, are there any shifts or changes in priority that you see uh, with a new administration and kind of what uh, from the department's perspective, are you seeing with a new administration being in place again, not for a ton of time, but at least in the very early days? Two things come to mind. One, there's an expectation, as there should be, every time there is a change of administration and we're educating the new administration on the various uh, government services uh, that we provide, there's an expectation rightfully so, that we, again, are constantly and continuously looking at ways to improve those services. So that expectation has been in place. It will continue to be in place. Um, and, and so there's, there's been conversations around the things that we are doing, we've done, and the things that we are uh, working on uh, to stay true to that uh, constant and continuous improvement. 
And also, uh, you've heard me mention several times during this call that we want to make sure that we are looking at the amount of burden placed on stakeholders when it comes to completing the Form I-9. So that is absolutely, and, and it's not, the administration is not just looking at the burden on the Form I-9, but looking at burden across all form types um, that individuals have to complete and submit to USCIS um, or have to complete as a result of uh, authorities that we dictate. So definitely reducing that bur- the burden on the Form I-9, which is why that, that look that's coming up to, to determine whether or not uh, we should make any changes before the current form expires in October of 2022 is so important. So we're definitely going to be taking a look at that uh, to see if there's any burden reduction opportunities there. Uh, and again, we'll be, we'll be talking to stakeholders about that at the appropriate time. So we've covered a ton of information and you've been very open and kind of forthcoming. So thank you for that. But before we close out, I do want to give you just a minute. If there's anything that you think is important that we haven't talked about yet, anything that you're like, ah, oh, I wish, you know, if, if I could just talk to employers, this is what I would say to them. I do want to give you a minute just to say anything that you think we may have missed kind of throughout the talk so far. I would say I, I would continue to advocate uh, that the, this E-Verify program has, uh, you know, a, an entire workforce that is committed to providing the, the absolute best service to employers as possible and reducing, you know, a lot of those unknowns around employment authorization. And so, you know, we are committed uh, to the E-Verify program. We are committed to evolving to make sure that it meets business needs and, and again, there is no other service that allows for you to be able to take the data from the I-9, from the work authorization and identity documents, and validate it with the issuing source. There is no other service that allows for that. And so I would, I would I'm a strong supporter and advocate of um, you know, encouraging employers uh, to use it and take advantage of this very easy-to-use, fast service Um, that can very quickly get an employment authorization response to employers so they can continue to do uh, the good work that they do and they don't have to worry about whether or not the the documents that were presented are are legitimate documents. We we take that guessing out of the game for employers. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, It's been, I think, both informative and um, gives us a good look to what the future is going to look like for both E-Verify and Form I-9. Again, we hope that everybody that's listening enjoyed today's discussion, and we hope you're walking away with some best practices that you should adopt at your organization. Thank you so much, Jason. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to the Workforce Wise podcast. And don't forget to download your free tools at equifax.com slash wise. While you're there, check out our other episodes and sign up for our live tech demo to see our solutions in action. And to keep our lawyers happy, you should know the information provided on the Workforce Wise podcast is intended as general guidance and not intended to convey specific tax or legal advice. For tax or legal information pertaining to your company and its specific facts and needs, please consult your own tax advisor or legal counsel. The views expressed are those of the discussion leaders and do not necessarily reflect official positions of Equifax. Investor analysts should direct inquiries using the Contact Us box on the Investor Relations section at Equifax.com.